Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here. I'm Warriors 24, along with my sidekick, Cyrus Satchis, the surf man himself. And we are ready to roll today and a number of issues and topics to get into. And I, I kind of like it, Cyrus, because you're, you're getting kind of really into a lot of things that are, uh, you know, very controversial in a way. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that. And, and I'm certainly going to give my opinion, but I'm going to kind of give you free reign here on Ooh. today's show right. to kind of, uh, you know, air your air your the, the the stuff that's bothering you you know you've got i know you got a lot of things that are really troublesome to you so let's let's get into it and have some fun well rick i always feel like the value of this podcast and and a, and a, a huge part of our connection and, and again you could correct me this is a lot of this is just me reading you and and maybe making assumptions to a certain regard but i i have whether or not I, you know you could say it's legitimate i feel like my behavior towards the media is based off me having a chip on my shoulder. I feel like you and I have been disrespected so much from depending on what organization we've worked for or, or what sports we're involved with. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I have gripes at times towards sports media. I do have a chip because I do feel like the wrong people on many occasions are given attention. And more importantly, as someone who is a believer of journalistic integrity, as someone who's a believer in objectivity and transparency and speaking the truth, I don't feel like there's a lot of that when it comes to sports media. And so it, something's been coming up recently in the last few days, and I'm, I've been noticing this more and more, and it has to do with ESPN and Rachel Nichols, who hosts The Jump, and she's kind of become like the face of ESPN's media coverage of the NBA. She's really one of the only individuals there who has an exclusive NBA show. And what I'm noticing more and more is a considerable amount of bias towards in favor of Nike athletes in which LeBron James is the leader of. I mean, there are stories that indicate he makes more money from his Nike contract than he does from his NBA contract with the Lakers. And, you know, and, and there's certain Twitter users who, uh, you know, one individual named Jody, she has a Twitter account named SV word girl. And I love the criticism she's been laying recently towards Rachel Nichols and others. But the, 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 the foundation of this is that the NBA and to a lesser extent, their primary media partners, ESPN and TNT, give heavy favoritism towards LeBron James and Nike athletes. This is not necessarily a big market issue. This is more of a Nike issue. I mean, Nike is a behemoth when it comes to corporations associated with sports. I like that word. Good word. <laughs> and thanks for giving me, letting me talk this long. So, no, anyways, no, that's so, fine. Go. Uh, so anyway, so, uh, you know, and, and the NBA, I mean, I'm sorry, Nike look, you can have a lot of legitimate criticism against them more recently because of all this news regarding the FBI and then basically giving money towards athletes, college athletes, a lot of this very illegal. Well, if you look at the coverage and you look at the NBA, you look at the player of the month award, you look at the player of the week award, you look at referee outcomes, you look at the team with the best record in the NBA, the Bucks. how much attention are the Bucks getting right now? How much attention is the leading MVP candidate Giannis getting right now at the I'm actually starting to pronounce his last name properly. Finally, after how many years, uh, how much attention has Dame as uh, Damian uh, uh, Lillard Lillard. Thank you. Uh, getting he's, 
he's had one of the most dominant months in NBA history, especially for a guard, and he did not get player of the month or player of the week. That's insane. Yeah, it is. And that just shows you that it's a very subjective thing, and there's so definitely bias around. And no question, some people are influenced by it. And, yeah, and, you- and here's my thing, and, and the people that you're talking about, Rachel Nichols has so much qualification to be an FBA expert, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she does. <laughs> yeah, right. Why? Because she's covered because she happened to be someone that got lucky enough to get hired to be able to no, cover I, NBA basketball. I follow I your mean, sarcasm. I follow your sarcasm. Yeah, I follow now. my I, sarcasm. I mean, I do, seriously. I do, yeah. And it's the same thing with so many of the other talking heads who are out there. And, and here's another thing for the criticism that goes. And I, I was very proud of him to see the quote that came up, who's been getting some criticism, Andrew Wiggins, okay? Yes. Here's his quote. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I feel like real ballers, real people that have been there and done that, I respect their opinion. If you haven't been there, done it, then I don't really look too deep into it. I think he doesn't realize that he's plagiarizing me because I have said this for decades. (laughs) So maybe he didn't wear any Reddit somewhere, but kudos to you, Andrew Wiggins, because you are right on about it. You can't let that kind of stuff bother you. You take it from its source and the majority of the time, the source that it's coming from isn't worth it. It's not worth paying any attention to it because it's just their stupid opinion. My wife hates when I use the word stupid, but in some cases, uneducated (laughs) opinion about something that they really think they know a lot about, but they really don't. Do you want to hear Wiggins talk, talking about criticism? Sure. Uh, this is Andrew Wiggins. Do you think any of it is fair or is it Um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You know, I feel like real ballers, you know, real real people that have been there and done that, you know, I expect their opinion. You know, if you haven't been there and done that, you know, you're entitled to your own opinion, but I'm not really thinking too deep into it. How do you feel about your game? If somebody says... All right, and, and that was the crux of it based off what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the quote that I wrote out, and he heard yeah. him saying it, and he said it without any real, you know, animosity, any real super anger, just being matter-of-fact about it. And and, and congratulations to you, Andrew, because I think that was a, a great answer mm-hmm. to the question and the situation that exists. And you're going about it, I think, in the right way to deal with it, so it should not impact you. Uh, one iota go out do your thing now you know it's another thing if somebody like a timmy legler came out or some guy that played the game and he has something to say about you now you got to take a serious look at that because this is a guy that who has been there who has done that and and chances are when they're making their opinion about it they're trying to be constructive criticism that's my thing it's if i say something critical about it to i'm trying to be constructive about it i'm trying to be informative about it i'm not doing it to put the person down or the situation down, I'm trying to be informative. And that's what it should be about. And you give your opinion based upon the knowledge that you have with regard to that situation. So good for you, Andrew. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, it was a great quote. And and, and, the, and the thing with Rachel Nichols that is, that's uh, bringing a lot of pointed criticism her way is A, she decided to turn the Kobe Bryant tragedy into an MVP case for LeBron James. I mean, LeBron whether you want to use statistics, whether you want to use record, he's clearly in distant second place to Giannis in the MVP award uh, race right now. But to, to use an individual's death and market it towards another individual's 
award accolades. She's, I think it's very justifiable criticism. You know, you look at the panel, the, the panel she routinely brings on. I don't think she's ever brought you on there, but she does bring a lot of former athletes who are LeBron friends, who are part of that trust circle. And whether you want to include Clutch as a greater extent of that. Uh, Rachel Nichols came out and said that uh, she has voted previously for uh, Clay Thompson to make the all-defensive team. Apparently, she has a vote there, and it's, she started uh, voting back in 2017. Only she's never actually voted for him because that information was released. And that right there attacks her credibility. All of a sudden, can you trust her now when she's sitting here and lying about stuff like that? Um, and then you look, at, and you look at the fact that the referees missed that Damian Lillard a goaltending, you know, as another example, the NBA maybe exhibiting more, more uh, favoritism towards LeBron and that crew. Um, you know, I don't think it's coincidence that Steph Curry is with Under Armour. I don't think it's coincidence that a lot of vitriol against the Warriors stems from the fact that they are the reason LeBron James does not have five or six titles instead of the three he currently has. Um, a lot of attacks against Kevin Durant. You know, you don't really see many people sh shutting that down. And the criticism, again, of Durant going to the Warriors. I know people love to bring up, well, he went to a championship contender. You know, shame on him for not challenging himself. Well, maybe the real anger is him going there prevented LeBron from getting two or three more titles. Well, and it, it definitely did that. <laughs> yeah. And so the narrative now remains Jordan is king and LeBron probably not. And so that's, a crit that, that's what I've been seeing a lot of. And I, I do think a lot of this criticism towards Rachel Nichols, towards the NBA, towards ESPN is very valid. I mean, when you're literally exhibiting this amount of one-sided coverage, you know, Andre Iguodala came out and literally said, Stephen Curry, we talked about this two weeks ago, Stephen Curry never gets the free throw calls, never gets the calls from the refs. And now I'm starting to wonder if the big picture here is that these are not Nike soldiers. These are not people towing the main company line that's making the most money for the NBA. And as a result, we're not seeing the kind of favoritism that LeBron and other people in that camp receive. So I'm done with my diatribe on that, Rick. Thank you for giving me the platform. Oh, another good word. <laughs> you're throwing out that you're throwing out the vocabulary today I'm Cyrus. Trying, trying. so rick what do you what are your thoughts on this i mean you're look you're one of the greatest no, I, ever you well, know, i agree i agree i agree with what you're saying i mean this it's always bias involved in everything in life unfortunately yeah. and in this world again you just have to look at it exactly with what andrew said wiggins take it from its source what credibility does that source really have? <laughs> and is their opinion any more valid than your opinion? And it really isn't other than the fact that they're lucky enough to have a job where they get to talk about that, but they are not necessarily experts about everything to do with sports. It's especially yeah. amazing when they get the shows where these guys talk about every sport and they've got the answer to everything in every sport. They are so omnipotent. That's a good word for you, right? <laughs> that is, yes. Yeah. So it's, it really is. It's that that's the, that's the way it is in the broadcast world. It's absolutely insane. I remember when I was broadcasting that there was someone doing the reviews and writing a column about the broadcasting and USA today hmm. who was criticizing, criticizing stuff. He was a PR guy for an ABA team years ago. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden he is now a critic to tell whether or not someone is good or not as a broadcaster. And it was the most he, ludicrous thing ever. What did he say and, about you? Oh, he got on my case about stuff and everything. And so it, it, was, it was very interesting. And so I had a talk one time with him. In fact, I, he got mad at me because I defended my play-by-play -play guy, Bob Neal from Turner. Okay. 
and said, that's ridiculous what he's saying about him. It's crazy. And so after that, all of a sudden, he was, a, he was on me. And he started finding things to criticize me about. Oh. So I went to him one time when there was a show or something going on, and I got him to go on the show, right? He did the show. The ne- so all of a sudden, the next season, my broadcasting, I got Comeback of the Year award. Oh, wow. It's such bullshit. Excuse me. <laughs> I, mean, right. I mean, seriously. It, it's, it's, it was so ludicrous. And, and, but that's the kind of stuff that happens. Yep. It's not necessarily the truth. It's not necessarily valid. It's not necessarily meaningful. It's just the way life works. This guy had no business having that job. He had no credibility whatsoever in that area. And again, it's his opinion yeah. about it. And he actually cost some people their jobs. Oh, see, that's not cool. That's not right. No, it was so wrong on so many levels. And so, but that just shows you how ludicrous it is. So I did something for him to get in this thing. I, I just laughed. I said, oh my God, look at me. Lucky me. I have just worked so hard to get the comeback of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and this is back when you were, what, CBS, right? You oh, when, doing- I was doing, when I was doing Turner stuff. Turn. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah so. It was it was crazy. So Yeah, you, anyway. you, you are one of the few who have succeeded in both platforms. You went from being a pro athlete and then you actually became an accomplished broadcaster, whereas a lot of these pro athletes can't really make that transition. They don't articulate themselves clearly or but i studied cyrus yeah i took when i was in college i couldn't in the business school i couldn't have a minor but i had enough credits probably to get a major if i would i took every radio and tv and film course that was available to me nice i took speech courses i took things because my goal was when i was younger i wanted to become a professional athlete and I, I, it was between baseball and basketball. Then I had a bad situation in, in, in high school and baseball. And so I, I got into basketball, fortunately. And I was watching Pat Summerall and Frank Gifford, the two mm. great football players who went into yes. the broadcasting career in the New York metropolitan area and said, wow, that'd be cool. That's what I want to do. I want to go and become a professional athlete and then become a broadcaster. And so what did I do? I prepared myself on the court by putting the time and the effort into get my skills honed enough to the mm-hmm. point where I could accomplish that goal. And I studied all the other things necessary to learn as much about it as I could so that I would have the opportunity to go into the broadcasting world. And I actually got a job in my rookie season. I did radio after the season was over. I was the sports reporter on KMBR radio in the morning for, for uh, Frank Dill, who was like the big yes. hot guy. Frank and yeah. Mike was Mike was with well, them. Oh, it was just Frank by himself at that oh, time. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And wow. so, and yeah, and then it was Frank and Mike, and so I wound up doing that, and uh, and that's that's kind of how how things really started out. So, but I prepared myself for it. A lot of these other guys don't necessarily prepare themselves. They for don't. It. They and don't. And I tell you, there's a lot of them out there, and I'm not going to name names. Are doing it, but they're not very good. <laughs> yeah, a no, lot of them. They're I masters. They're few. masters of the obvious. Yes, and the things that they say, I just wonder. I sometimes question. I said, "Are they watching the same game I'm watching?" <laughs> yeah, the, the obvious thing is it always sticks out to me when when broadcasters get away with saying what is so obvious. No, there's no point in saying it. <laughs> it's just just filler. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it is a visual medium. If you're not doing radio and you have something to explain and people see it, 
I mean, I remember one time I was doing something. Happened to be, I happened to remember that happened to be in Portland and you, you use different crews and stuff. And the, the director, whoever was there, he played the same replay, kept playing the same replay. And so I just kind of nicely had to say, well, you saw it actually the first time before it. And then the replay kind of showed it again. And so I, I you know, we're, we're looking at this again in case maybe you went to go and get an ice cream or a beer or something in the refrigerator. Here it is again for you to see. So this might be the third time that you've seen it. I mean, I just killed him because it was ridiculous <laughs> that he kept playing the same thing over and over again. And usually when a replay comes up, I'm trying to point out something different. And that's one of the things that I got people to do when I was broadcasting is look at stop giving me these tight shots of the player with the ball you can't see what's happening in the game there's so many other things that come into play that determine what should be happening give me a wide shot and give me the thing what they got the telestrator so I can show the people what was happening and why this place why this play developed and why Guys made mistakes because they turned their head on the other side. They weren't in the right position. So I can explain exactly what took place. So you get a close-up doing stuff. That's not going to show anything other than what the guy did, and you already saw that. (laughs) I love that you studied so much that you weren't just an expert on broadcasting. You were an expert on media aesthetics. Good stuff. I took everything. I took all the courses I could take in radio, TV, and film work, talk to people about it, learned a lot about it. I loved, I was always interested in the acting part. I mean, when I was in high school, I had to lead, I had, I was in a play in the juniors, my junior year, I had to lead in the senior play. I loved that part of it and, and studied it. And then even when I was trying to get into it, I was offered some opportunities to be guest star in some shows and I turned them down because I really hadn't studied enough. And I went and I took a lot of, lot of lessons and went to classes and stuff to study acting with a lady by the name of Estelle Harmon and some other people down in Los Angeles when I lived down there for one year. And in life, you have to prepare yourself properly to do things. The last thing I would ever want to do is go out and make a fool of myself in front of millions of people. I'm going to prepare myself for it. Now, I might still make a fool of myself, but at least I tried to learn what it was yes. and minimize the chances of that happening. So did you actually guest star in any uh, TV shows or movies? Well, not the big thing, though. It was just little stuff. I was on Fame, but I didn't play myself. Oh. I, just, I just played a De- Debbie Allen. Uh, I was, we were doing something. I was playing a part of a basketball player. And we're doing some stuff where they're doing this dancing thing. And all of a sudden, I you know, sprained my ankle and everything. And she comes <laughs> over and starts to rub. And, she's, as that, and they had the script saying, oh, that, you know, that's much better. And I said, excuse me. I said, trust me, I've had this before. If I turn my ankle and sprain my ankle, having anybody in the world other than God coming over to rub my ankle, it's not going to be good. <laughs> okay. I can say, how about if I just say, oh, that's better. They said, oh, yeah, yeah that'd be good. Use that. And then probably one of the ones I had the most fun was when I did coach with oh, uh, Craig T. Nelson, who's now on Young Sheldon show. Craig T. Nelson has been in a million things. I love that yeah. guy. Well, he was coach on the show Coach. I, I, yes, remember? I remember that with Jerry okay. Van Dyke. Yeah. With Jerry Van Dyke, right. And so I had a chance to go and be on that show. And so the deal was when I got there, I saw the script. It was that it was supposed to be the year of hell for, for, for Hayden for him in, in, in his life. Mm-hmm. And when I met the producers and I got to talking to him and told him I'd studied acting, he said, really? And all, I think I found out really that they tried to get Will Chamberlain and he wouldn't do it. So they got me anyway. And, <laughs> and so, right. but that's right. okay. I, I don't mind yeah. seconds. Uh, to to so, Chamberlain, especially. Yeah, I guess it yeah, depends on what, the, I guess it does depend on what the seconds are, but uh, yeah, yeah. But this is, yes. yeah, exactly. This is, so this is, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's not get into that. So this is, this is, so I, I go on the show. And so the deal is, is that, Jerry Van Dyke comes running into his office going, oh, my God, can you believe it? Rick Barry's coming to interview for the basketball job here. It's unbelievable. Rick, can you – Rick Barry – they said my name so many times. He says, look, 
what are you crazy? Rick Barry's off somewhere flying around in one of those TV jets and doing, doing broadcasting work. He's not going to come here and coach. He says, no, Rick Barry's really going to be here. And so then Dauber comes running in. And yes. Goes, Did you hear that Rick Barry's going to be coming in? And so, I mean, they said my name over and over again. And so my deal is I knock on the door, I poke my head in and I see him made in there. Right. And I said, are you so-and-so? And I forget the name of the athletic director. And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, Rick. Uh, yeah, hey, they didn't get a hold of you and tell you that, oh, the position's been filled already. He comes over, does them, pushes me out of the door. That was my bet. <laughs> now, the producers, okay. after I talked to them, because I had something that I had to say in that one as well, having studied the acting, I mean, to make it realistic, when he said, oh, yeah, that's me. And I, I said, look, if I'm going to look in and see him sitting there and he tells me he's the athletic director who I don't know by sight or anything, I said, my first reaction would be, you're so-and-so? Like I would question these. No, that's good. Yeah. Use that. So I did it. And they said, ah, oh, Rick, if we had known that you had studied and you, you know, and you did a great job, he said, man, we would have written you into the script for the whole season. Had you actually get hired and then go after his girlfriend. He said, it would have been <laughs> awesome. So that was kind of disappointing, but it was a lot of fun doing. I, you know what? I still get residual checks from that show that still Amazing. shows every once in a while. That's why I said, that's why these people who are on some of these really successful shows like Friends and everything, the kind of money that they make in residuals is just crazy. I crazy. can't believe still getting checked. I'm looking at IMDb right now, and there you are as a former guest, guest star. I was part of the cast of the yeah. show, <laughs> Coach. Amazing. Yeah, Rick I love it. I tried to find the video, but I couldn't find it. I don't think it's online. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was very funny, but I said, they oh. said my name so many times. It was, it was kind of cool. Oh, I love a it. Good thing. And so that's, I, I really haven't had, I, I had a chance to go on and be asked to be uh, on Wonder Woman, but I, that's the one I, I, I turned down because I just didn't want to do it. I wasn't prepared and ready Didn't think I could do a good enough job. And then the one that I was prepared for, and they wanted it. They wanted to use me. Was I went and I read for Freddie Dreyer had the show uh, Hunter okay. on TV. Oh, I clearly remember that show. Yeah. yeah. And show. so yeah. and so I went and I read for Vince Chase, who was the uh, he was the uh, the casting director. And he said, "Oh, this is going to be great." He says, "You know, Freddie's tall. He's like six five or so." He said, "It'd be great to have somebody your size and do something." And I can see you. You know, you're the type of guy you look like the all American guy, but you could be a nasty, you know, terrible, evil person. I say, "Yeah, I could do that." <laughs> and so a lot of people think I'm that anyway. So it's okay. So uh, unfair, so unfairly, I, by the way. So yeah. I yeah, whatever. I so I read I read for it, and there, and he wanted. He said, "Oh, this would be great. We're going to have you on next season." Freddie's going through contract negotiations. They're running into an impasse. They don't sign him. They cancel the show. Oh. So that was very disappointing. Very, and then the other one I tried to get to do, and they were going to do it, was the possibility of going on um, uh, to catch a thief with Robert, Red, Robert Wagner. And that I was supposedly going to be the guy that they would go to find that I was one of his prison mates one time. He said, Oh, for this job, I, I need, I got the perfect guy. This is guy was in, in, in jail with me and everything. He's tall. I need somebody to tall to do it. We can get him. And I was supposed to be that guy. And then it never happened. And then the last one that I came close to doing it was Al Ruddy, the famous uh, the producer and stuff that did. Uh, the, I think he, I think he did the Godfather if I'm not mistaken, Al Ruddy. Hmm. Um, but anyway, he had a, a script and he wanted to do something called the rough riders, which was about Teddy Roosevelt. He said, oh, Rick, you'd be perfect for this. He said, I could get you in there. You know, you'd have, you know, a chance to play a nice role, have some lines and stuff and everything. Mm. And you'd be good because the Cowboys were, you know, tall guys back in then. And you could be one of the Rough Riders that he picks to do it. He said, this would be great for you. And this, they, they, they never got this. They never got it, you know, 
financed and they never did the movie. So anyway, that's my great history <laughs> in the Broughton. I still can't believe you turned down an opportunity to uh, be next to Linda Carter. Oh, I know. That was hard. That's, uh, that was yes, hard. Yeah, I'm that sure. was very hard. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she was pretty hot. Oh, he still yeah. probably still is. I mean, yeah, she, she still looks really good doing everything. Oh, you know who yeah. really knows her really quite well is my 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 dear friend Clifford Ray knows Linda Carter mm. really well. Yeah. How so? How? I I I, I don't know. Clifford knows so huh. many of them. He knows all. I mean, he, he's he's an amazing guy. He's actually writing a book, which I think is going to be very interesting. Um, and I'm still waiting. He's, for I'm telling book, you right. right. He's going to come out. No, he's going to come out with some really stuff that people are going to be very eye-opening and all. He's been treated incredibly unfairly, and uh, hmm. it really really upsets me because I don't like to see an injustice being done to anyone, especially if it's someone that's near and dear to you. And Clifford's like a brother to me. Uh, he's been treated so unfairly by so many of the teams in the NBA, and probably the best big man's coach in the last 25 years in the NBA, without question. And never, you know, always was paid the low salary. Couldn't even sit on the bench in a lot of teams. Got treated like garbage by so many of the teams. It's just mm. very sad. Very sad. So I hope it all comes out. And, and uh, you know, can you imagine being a guy that helps a team to, to get championships and stuff and you don't even get a full share of playoff money? That's, that's yeah, that's insane. It's embarrassing. It is. Yeah, it's, it's really unfair. embarrassing. It so that's fair. the kind of stuff that goes on. So everything isn't quite the way that everybody portrays it to be. And you hear all no. these wonderful things about what goes on in the NBA. It's all mm -hmm. not peaches and cream. You know, it's all not, you know, the uh, the yellow brick road. Yes, <laughs> you know? look behind the curtain. Absolutely. Not the it's not the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. So anyway. Well, I'm, I'm still waiting for your book, Rick. I know you've mentioned you Yeah, mentioned that I talked about it and doing stuff and all. I'm sure if I do that, I'm probably going to tick a lot of people off. But I, I, I don't know if I want to do it or not. Uh, we'll see. It's, you uh, should. I really – I mean, that's an autobiography. I would ha read it in a second – well, I see all of these things going on. Heck, I couldn't even get something to get done about doing something about doing one of these, you know, what, 3030s or whatever the hell they do. Yes. Some of these, yeah. When somebody tried to do something, put something together, do one of these documentary stuff. And I see some of the documentaries that are done. I'm going, what? I mean, seriously? <laughs> I mean, I do think I have a rather unique story. I mean, this stuff and everything, even what's happened with my family. I mean, there's never been a family like that in any sport. Ever. Uh, no. I mean, and... And, and what I did, you know, some of the other things, which is, you know, no big deal. But I mean, I did what I did and it wasn't like I was out there to try to be some hero, you know, with the reserve clause before Kurt Flood with base with basketball. Because our we had the exact same clause that, that uh, baseball had, the reserve clause. Right. Which was basically a contract of slavery. I mean, you're, you sign one of them and you're locked up for life. Well, that, isn't that one of the big reasons you went to the ABA, right? For options, for more money. Well, I went, I went, no, I, no, no, I didn't no. go for money at all. That's the whole thing. Oh, money hungry. No, I didn't go for money. I could have stayed and made more money with the Warriors. So why did you go I to the I went ABA? because I loved the game and the game had always been fun for me. And I wrote about this in like my confessions of basketball gypsy. The game had always been fun for me. And God rest his soul. And I really liked him as a person, Bill Sharman, my coach. Bill Sharman made it so it wasn't fun. It was like a job. People said, well, it is your job. Well, yeah, but basketball had always been fun for me. It wasn't a job. I didn't really like not look forward to it. I love playing basketball like we talked about many times. I wanted to be on the court. You know, playing 36 minutes a game, I wouldn't have been happy. That's what most guys do nowadays. 36 minutes, no, no. It's a 48-minute game. I want to play. I love the game. And so I want to play. And so I didn't have fun. I led the league in scoring, MVP of the All-Star Game. We came within two pick-and-roll plays with Nate Thurman uh, and myself against Will Chamberlain that if they had gone our way, we would have beaten that great 76er team in six games. 
and I didn't have a lot of fun. And so I'm saying, what? This is something wrong with this. And now mm-hmm. I had a chance with the new league coming in to go and play for my father-in-law, who was my college coach. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't so that's know how that. it all, all came right. down. And that was all in there and doing. You got to do your reading, Cyrus. Well, um, well, so I'm anyway, waiting for your book. I'm, I'm waiting for your, your book. So I, no, no. I'm it, was, it was in the Confessions of a Basketball Gypsy, one of my books that was out there. But the thing oh, is, is that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it was already. I talked about this stuff before. And so the thing is, is that. I sat out a year to do it. And I said, no, no, you guys want to do it. And the, the league was really upset with the Warriors because they said, well, no, we have an option on your services. So it turned the contract basically now became an option. And so I said, okay, great. You have an option. So I'm going to sit out and give you my option year. So that's how it all came about. And it's so crazy, crazy how many guys have come up. Hey, I studied law school. I studied your case in law school. It went on for years and really? years because a judge, a judge got sick. And, you know, yeah, no, it's kind of crazy what happened. And see, contrary to what has been said, I never, ever didn't honor a contract I had signed. I've never, yeah, I've never read you did that. I just, uh, but I, I always, I guess I just assumed that your reasoning for the ABA was they were, all, they were throwing more money out. No, I, 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 yeah, that's probably, that's I could have gone back to the Warriors and, and made more money staying with the Warriors. That's very interesting. I, I just did it because it wasn't fun. I mean, basketball always been fun for me. It wasn't fun. Can you imagine? I was the MVP of the all-star game. I led the league in scoring. We went to the finals of the stuff and it wasn't fun well, the whole yeah. season because it just, the playing was, I mean, playing was fun and all, but the, the overall experience, what I went through the entire season and just the way that we did things, no days off. To, I went to him one time and said, Bill, listen, I'm playing 40-something minutes a game. It's t-. I said, can I please just sleep in and get up at this time? He would have us go two hours before a commercial because we owed a commercial. You play a game, you fall asleep at 2 o'clock, you got to be on a 7 o'clock in the morning flight, right, to the next city. Right. Okay, so these guys complain about how tough they have it. Yeah, I want to hear that. So, I, so I fall asleep at two. So I'm saying, look, it's a seven o'clock flight. Can I just can I can I just get over there at six instead of five? I mean, just give me another hour of sleep. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Rick, you know, if you know, if if, if the taxi has a has a flat in the, in the in the tunnel, the Sumner Tunnel, going over to the airport when you stay downtown, I said, you know, you can miss the flight. I said, Bill, if I left at that time and we had a flight. I can walk with my bag and still get to the airport in time to make the flight. <laughs> so, it, it was just one of those things that it, he was fanatical about those kinds of things. He's the one that started the shoot arounds in the morning, which I hated. And I still think is a freaking waste of time. And it's all about getting you, <laughs> getting you out of bed. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's the, the, those, I mean, the, Oh, the big thing, the shoot around in the morning and everybody copies everything that somebody does when they're successful. Yep. It's just amazing to me what happens in the NBA and how they go. And then they get the little guy. So let's have the little guys. Okay, we got the Spud Webs and we got the Muggsy Bogues and everything. And they finally realize that you're never going to win a championship with that. Okay, but everybody's going to copy and do what somebody did that was successful. It's it's uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's the way it is with most facets of life, right? I mean, most yes. very few people are original. They see ideas that are possibly successful and then try to replicate it and you know, yeah, well, it's one thing. It's one thing to have some, but not as your starting point guard. It's one thing you bring a guy in 
and to try to change the tempo of it and do it and see if it works for a few minutes or something, but, but not something that's going to be the focal point of your team I mean, and your offense. And like, I couldn't even believe, like sometimes I remember when my son Brent was playing it on Brent actually was a great post up. He had great post up moves, but that, you know, coaches, he had never utilized them, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying he's playing a game. And all of a sudden, if they bring in, you know, they bring in, let's say a spud Webb or whoever it was that was there. And when he was playing, might've been Muggsy Bogues. I don't know why in the world, if I was coaching against that team, the moment he came in the game, I would have an offense ready to go, and I would abuse that player in the post. <laughs> I don't understand why they don't do that more often. You're right. I mean, like, seriously, what, why am I going to let him come in and let this guy run, say, you know, helter-skelter up and down the court, changing the tempo of the game to give them an advantage over my team? No, he's going to pay a dear price for coming in the game because he's going in the post, and I'm going to abuse him. Yeah, the abandonment of the post makes no sense to me in today's NBA. None. I, I, I mean, it's such an obvious advantage, such a simple and effective offensive play if you have that advantage, which teams do. If Isaiah Thomas is out there playing, why are you not posting him up every single time? I, I, trust me, you, here's the thing. You take advantage of what the other team has to yes. offer, especially their weaknesses. Okay, that's why it just, well, give me the drives me crazy. Yeah, let me, uh, hold on, let me pull that up real quick here. Yeah. Might as well do that now and throw that out there. And what drives me crazy about the NBA is how they will make a rule to protect the guy with horse manure skills. It's so stupid. All this stuff about the free throw. Oh, yeah, well, it's ruining the game. With that. No, what's ruining the game is that team coaches are taking players to play on their team that have major deficiencies and certain skills in the game that you're supposed to have. And so you're going to go and change the rules so that the other team can't take advantage of the weakness that that player has and protect him. You should be ashamed of yourself. Ashamed of yourself. Like I gave great I, – I, no, I'm serious. I gave great credit to John McLeod. One of the things that he did along with Al Bianchi when they beat us in that seven-game series where we should have gone to the finals two, two, two years in a row and lost in seven games at home in, 1970s, in the 70s, uh, 75-76 season, they intentionally fouled off the ball and made somebody else on my team get to the free throw line, and they put the rule in that you can't foul in the last two minutes off the ball intentionally. And I'm saying that's a stupid rule. <laughs> That's a stupid rule. If the other team has somebody in there who's not a good free throw shooter, you should be allowed to do that and put that player on the line because you're taking advantage of the weakness of your opponent. Why are you going to put a rule in to protect that player? Yeah, I mean, just to play contrarian here, my guess is that the free throws probably slowed the game down too much and was boring. But I, I, follow, I see what you're saying. I do. I follow you. Well, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, it slow is. the game down. It slow the game down. Hey, it's the game. That's the way the game is played. That's the way it is. So what are you going to do? Then you're going to go ahead and have, okay, a quarterback can't, you know, they can't come up to the run line of scrimmage when the clock's going down and spike the ball to stop the clock. Yeah, that would be crazy if they change that. You're right. Thank you. Well, it's that the same thing here. Why are you changing yeah. this? Right? The same thing is, is you take advantage of saying, you know, a guy can't hit a curveball in baseball. You're not going to have him say, okay, you can only throw three curveballs to him. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. You're right. It makes no sense in anything. Yeah, you're going to play tennis and everything. Oh, well, this guy isn't really good on a backhand return to serve, so you can't, you know, you can only serve a certain number of times to his backhand. Come on. (laughs) Let's get realistic here. Uh, Do you want to answer a couple uh, couple of questions from fans? Sure. 
so we answer questions on Twitter. Our, our podcast Twitter account is at Warriors24Pod. Uh, a couple of questions came in. Um, these are pertaining primarily to the Warriors making the trade for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, we haven't really broken that down yet. Maybe we should talk about that. But Momel, uh, 478-239991, whatever your handle is, Momel is what he goes by. He asks, should the Warriors add more veterans this summer? Well, they probably will. Uh, yeah, they have to, right? I mean, they're... well, you got to you got to decide who's going to be your other players and have your bench. I mean, the critical element, as we've talked about many times, is having a bench that can, call to say, hold the fort. Right. You know, so you're, you're getting attacked. You got to have you know somebody to hold the fort for you when your when your front line people aren't necessarily available. And the Warriors' success, and that was the big thing when they made the move and got KD. I said, well, what's going to happen? Because a lot of players left that team. I said, well, Mm -hmm. it's going to be all predicated on how good the bench develops. So you have to have the bench. There's no question about that. And you want to have veteran players there. You don't want to have a bunch of rookies. Yeah, I feel like last year, uh, the previous summer to this last one, the Warriors dropped the ball a little bit with that. I, I feel like they avoided veterans that could have helped them and started this youth movement a year too early. Um, like, like Jamal Crawford was available. Like, uh, I, know, I don't know if Carmelo Anthony is a, a name you like, but he was available. They could have added some key players, some key veterans that would have been important, that would have been useful when they were in the finals and they didn't have to rant well, to these other players. I, I think they, they might have been at that time concerned about having to spend the kind of money to do it and not go over the cap. And so they had a chance to get some of the players, but they had some young players. Some of them worked out okay. Some of them didn't. Yeah, uh, the biggest problem that they had in that series, you know, when they wound up, wound up, uh, even though they went to six games on it, is they didn't have the bench. They didn't have somebody to come in and and, and be able to put twenty points up for them. Right, and 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 I feel like they could have, and they they opted not to sign veterans. I mean, you look at the, the rosters the previous two years. They had like the JaVale McGee's, the David Wests. Uh, Leandro Barbosa's. Well, then uh, even you know, go back even further, you know, and and you and you have when they brought Iggy in, you know, and that that was a big well, thing. Yeah. He was willing to take less, and then they brought they brought uh, oh, what's his name, David uh, Lee. It, David know? Lee, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff you need. You need to have guys who are willing to do whatever. I was willing to do that. I went to the war. I went to the Rockets to do that, and was willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And to even take a situation if they wanted me, you know, in fact, the second year when I was there, I told, it was Del Harris, who's a coach. I said, Del, why don't you start Robert Reed? I said, let me, let me come off the bench. Let me watch. Let me see what's happening. Let me come in. And then I can go ahead and do something coming off the bench and bring an element to the team. I made that suggestion. Yeah. And they misused you, right? I mean, they could have utilized well, you. Yeah, more than they they, did. Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and, well, well, let me say this. So, so the Warriors right now, I'm, I'm personally a huge supporter of this move. I, I did not think D'Angelo Russell was a good fit on this team. In my opinion, no, nothing personal against him, but good riddance. He's just too small I and mean, he's too small and the style of play is, is not conducive with the Warriors free flow system on offense, ball movement, and movement off the ball, right? He just mostly stood there and didn't play defense that much. So I do love the addition of Wiggins. I think him being the third or fourth best player on a team is a perfect fit for him. He's proven, I think, to a certain extent, being the number one or two guy might not be the best role for him. But with that said, if the Warriors want to be a championship team next year, and I think right now with this roster, the way it's constructed, they're a playoff team. I don't think they're a championship team. They got to replace Iggy. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, the fifth man on that roster, the fifth guy on that, and out there on the court at the end of the game, to me right now is, is uncertain. It's not settled. And Andre well, they was They've got that a lot guy. of things to do still. 
a lot. Yeah, but for the most part, I mean, if you look at the roster for the most part, it's, I think it's about 12 men deep in terms of it being set for next year. But they do have that $17 million trade exemption that Joe Lacob came out and said they're going to use, which is huge. That means you can go out there and acquire a big contract, a big veteran, and they're going to have that lottery pick. Uh, so that's two more spots, but um, I, 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 haven't, I don't see them. I don't see any player on the roster who fills Andre Iguodala's role. That's a hole that they haven't filled yet. I think yeah, they're going to they, they have the opportunity to go out and fight to get somebody that would be that type of a player. I mean, yeah. and then also hopefully make a great decision with their, with their draft pick to take someone who has the potential. If there is someone out there, I don't follow the college game all that much to tell you who I think might be an answer. I don't, I don't, uh, and most of those guys aren't, <laughs> most of those guys aren't ready to be, you know, short bona fide type of players, kind of like, you know, you know, there's not that many Zion. I haven't seen any Zion Williamson's out there who's actually doing amazing stuff right now amazing um, and we'll talk stuff. about him in a second but yeah uh yeah so but also they can use that draft pick to also get another veteran kind of player or somebody and i can't to imagine that there wouldn't be yeah. some guys yeah as a trade thing yeah and throw that into the equation for making the deal and being able to bring in somebody who has that experience to bring that extra something special mm -hmm. to the team which they need to have and and they also they got to find somebody that's a rim protector i actually actually told <laughs> bob myers about to have their scouts go out and check i, I have somebody that i'm in, i'm always in touch with people people sending me stuff i saw a guy who could possibly be a steal for them and i'm not even gonna mention any names but i sent them some video of it and i told them about it and i think they've reached out to the person here in the country who's a friend of mine that is kind of kind of like a father to this young man from overseas and uh Boy, I'll tell you what, this guy is a freaking shot blocking fool. He's huh. athletic as can be. Young, um, so he's young, right? Size, he young, young, but okay. but smart. And I yeah, I mean, no, this this is, you know, not super young, but been around hmm. and actually, you know, took off this past season to get his masters. Hmm. So he's <laughs> he's intelligent. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So All this right. uh I I tell you what, from what I saw, I don't care who he was playing against. I just watched the way he moved. I watched the way he has a feel for the ball, off the off on the ball and then off the ball, weak side help blocking shots, run the court, nice footwork inside, right hand, left hand, finish. I'm telling you, I I'm be interested to see what happens. I I I hope they give this guy a real shot and bring him in and take a shot at you know, why not? I mean, what do you, you got nothing to lose. I mean, yeah. And you can wind up getting the guy for a minimum contract. Well, I hope Bob Myers listens to you. And you know, the, the name that keeps popping up for a center in the draft and my, it was likely the number one pick is James Wiseman. Um, if the Warriors get the number one pick, that's probably what they're going to do. But I look, this, to me, besides acquiring Wiggins, and I think that's a great pickup for them. And he's going to fit in fantastically with this organization. They got rid of Jacob Evans's contract, which I thought was huge, a very underrated part of this trade. Uh, but um, so I, I, here's another question from Twitter, and this is another individual. And no cap 757 is the person's handle. Should Bob Myers have kept D'Angelo Russell and then traded him to Philly in the summer for either, uh, for either Ben Simmons or... What's his name? I'm drawing. A, I'm brain farting in the center. What? Joel Embiid. Thank you. Either Joel. Joe, yeah. So either yeah. Well, they're not going to get rid of either of those guys. I know. So you. So you're. So you're. My. No, we talked about this the last yes. show. I mean, you you came up with a very valid point. I mean, it's a it's a huge risk for them. The Angel is playing at a high level. There's interest. 
Why are you going to wait until after the season is over? Who knows how he's going to play the rest of the season? Who knows if he's not going to have an injury or something? And all of a sudden, you have nothing. And he's got a max contract. You never get rid of it. Exactly. I, you know, the risk of injury and the fact that he, his stock was high. Thank you. you. I mean, they did, when that it, stock is high. It, it, was, it, was, it was a no-brainer to make a move for yes. him now. Yes. And, and not to mention the fact that you're right. I, I would have preferred Ben Simmons, obviously. I would have preferred Joel Embiid, obviously. But there's no guarantee either is available. And there's no guarantee Philly would even want D'Angelo Russell. For the people out there who think they should have waited, do you really think Bob Myers was not putting feelers out there to see if that interest would exist in the summer? It wasn't there. No. Good move. You know, it's a just, good move by him. And we talked about yeah. this. I mean, all of them saying is, is that what Wiggins needs to do now is just go work. In fact, even get with yep. Clay or Steph and work on his three-point shooting and get himself to be 35 or above in three-point shooting, hopefully higher, you know, closer to 40. Get him to be that proficient at the three-point line, and that gives them a dimension that becomes unguardable, kind of like with KD, even though KD was unique in his way because of yeah. his size that he can get a shot anytime he wanted. But to give them three guys that you have to worry about from the perimeter. Yeah, and, and exactly. I, you know, and he, look, no one's going to replace Durant. I mean, that's just a player you're never going to replace. But Wiggins, to me, is a very suitable replacement. Well, I'm going to say the same thing I said about KD when he came. Wiggins is going to enjoy playing on this team next uh -huh. season more uh -huh. than he ever has before because uh -huh. he will get more easy opportunities and have more fun playing basketball than he's had in years. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm so with you. I'm so looking forward to next year. I'm also looking forward to a little bit of this year. I want to see how Wiggins progresses. Steve Kerr mentioned how it took Durant about three months to fully integrate into the Warriors system. So Wiggins has that advantage now being acquired now instead of in the summer. Uh, and, th and that was actually another reason why they traded D'Angelo now was to integrate whoever they brought in th at this point of the season instead of waiting until the start of next year and, and having to go through that time. Um, you know, you want to talk about Zion? I mean, I mean, look, he's, he's, well, I mean, he just put up some serious numbers, you know, he got 30. I think he's one of only three or four guys at his age to ever put up the kind of numbers that he's put up where he got 30 points and a bunch of assists and rebounds. Mm -hmm. And he's doing some, he's doing some really cool things and he's certainly a talent. And I think you brought up an interesting thing in our notes talking about it that, you know, don't, don't write off the rookie of the year because there's still a lot of basketball left to play. And this guy is playing at a level. <laughs> if he continues to do it, what, six of the first eight games he's played, he's got 20 points or more? Amazing. It, it really you know? is amazing. He's living and, up to and, the hype so and far. And he's getting yeah. him in all kinds of different ways. And so, yeah. So it's uh, – but he's one of those guys that's just kind of fun to watch. Very fun. You, you know, we, we did that segment at the beginning of our podcast, uh, The Price of Admission, right? And we should probably right. do any one of those at some point. Yeah, he is, he's right up there. You no, no, want he's to definitely worth the price of admission. He's a unique person. Yeah. He's, again, get back to what I've talked about, and you've heard me say it many times over the years. He's an anomaly. He is. He is. There's he's never affable. been a player like yeah. him in the game. He reminds, does, he, does he remind you of Barkley a little bit? No, he reminds me, actually, of a bigger version of LeBron. Interesting. Except, except that LeBron had the ball handling and passing skills that are a little bit higher level. But, I mean, he's taller than LeBron. No, he's shorter by two, he's by two inches. He, wait a second. Well, how tall is LeBron now? 6'8". 
Wait a second. And you took Zion. Zion six six only. Uh huh. Yeah, oh, wait a second. Then, then I would, I never saw that he was six six. I saw that he was. Then he definitely would be more towards the Barkley end of things. But that's what I thought. So, he, so, I, everything I saw him listed, I was he was listed at like six eight. Yeah, he's six six, but he's you know, but uh, he's such see a. See the liars, those little rotten <laughs> sobs. <laughs> well, you know they kill crazy? you with the stats. Well, you know what's crazy? This is the first year the NBA has ever actually made it mandatory for teams to report players' height. Without sneakers. Ah, yeah, because I know and, I was six seven. They always said I was six eight, but I was six seven and a half without my sneakers. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so Draymond had to basically come out and reveal that he's actually six six, even though he used to always say he was six seven. Right. Um. So Zion, uh, Zion is listed as six six, and that's why I say the Barkley wow. thing. Wow. Okay. Even see, I didn't six, know that. So you learn something new every day. Well, if that's the case, then <laughs> you're right. With the analogy, would be more like a Charles Barkley, but just actually bigger and stronger than Barkley yes. was when he first came in. Which is really crazy. Although Charles think. was kind of big, he was the round mound, the rebound. But I'm talking about as far as a physical specimen. Charles wasn't somebody that was like a physical specimen. He was actually fat at the time, one time. <laughs> <laughs> he was. The, yeah, the round mound, yes. Yeah, the round mound, yeah, he, the rebound. And he's but Zion again. is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. The guy's <laughs> averaging, what, 21 points a game. He's still got, you know, more than a couple assists. He's shooting 30, 40% from threes. That's the yes. amazing thing. And 56, almost 58% from twos. Those and are he's crazy got almost numbers. Eight, and he's got almost eight rebounds. And again, for a guy 6'6", six, six, I mean, he can play the center position. I mean, for some yeah, reason, he just he's, dominates yeah, he's out there. He's a very, right? interesting, uh, very interesting young man. There's no question. So, you, you know, he still has to be, I think, in some kind of consideration for Agreed. Um, for the rookie of the year. I mean, there's still plenty of time left. I don't think I should say, well, he didn't. I think he'll play enough. I, I don't know if there's a... A stipulation is the number of games you have to play to be eligible or not. And there isn't. And if, if there isn't one, well, if there isn't, no. then he has to be in consideration because he's doing, is there anybody else, any rookie that's even coming close to those kind of numbers and performance? I don't think I'm, so. I mean, the only other one we could, is, is the current favorite job ja Morant, And I'm actually pulling up his stats right now to do a little comparison um, because John ja Morant, because again, Zion's averaging better than 21 and nearly eight rebounds a game. John ja Morant is at 17, 17, six, six. Game. he's got seven rebounds, which is impressive to me. Or seven assists. Skinny, you know, I mean, not rebounds, assists, seven assists, yeah, yeah. which is nice. Cause he's got, but he's got the ball in his hands. You see, that's the thing. Pull that up. So I, yeah, I see it here. Seven assists and three and a half rebounds, which is nice. I mean, nothing spectacular, but when you have the ball in your hands, you should have more assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, I told you before, if I had to do it over again and I started my career right now, the younger, I, I would, I'd stay, I'd be a point guard. You mentioned that before. Yeah. And that's, no, I, I would love be that. a point guard because I, because I realize now and seeing it, everything, you have so much more control over the outcome of the game with the ball in your hand, because you're the one that can get everybody involved. I mean, I tried to do that as much as I could from my position, which I think I did a good job of, but if I had the ball on my hands all the time, my God, it would be so much fun. And, and and as far as the quickness goes, I was quicker than the guards on our teams. I, I was a lot quicker than people realize. And so it's just been, it been a matter of my time. I mean, your ball handling you didn't have the same kind of skills, and that's something you could just work on and do drills and get a lot better at it. But, yeah, I, I would want to do that. If I had to do it over again, I'd have my, my son Canyon you know, been a point guard, which he was early in his career. But you can't – you're at the mercy of the guy with the ball. Speaking of Canyon, by the way, you posted a clip on Twitter of him – with a fantastic steal and dunk. Well, he's uh, <laughs> a lot more athletic than people realize. I mean, that's, they don't even know that. I mean, he, he wasn't invited to the projected first and second round picks, despite being sixth man of the year in the sec, but he went to Portsmouth and they did the same testing there. If he had been in Chicago, he would have been first in standing vertical, second in max vertical by half an inch, huh. first in agility, 
uh, first in something else and second in something, and third in something else. I mean, he was, you know, he would have tested better than anybody that was there. But people don't know that. And it's just, anyway, don't get me started on that because it's just a very <laughs> sore enough. subject with me. It's just, I'm just so tired. He's such a great kid. And I know he'll be fine because he's, he's a brilliant young man, and, you know, with his master's in nuclear engineering. But he's still doing great despite the fact that, you know, the last game they brought all these guys in the trade that they just made at Minnesota. So all of a sudden he was playing, you know, like almost 20 minutes and getting only maybe five, six, or seven shots in a game and shooting over 60% and shooting over like 45, 47% from threes and still getting to double digits. And then, so they bring all these guys in last game, he gets to play six minutes. <laughs> so you're, you're, so you're great basically. And I completely understand that that's what this is, is that he just give him a shot. Let him actually prove Every himself, time he's right? had an opportunity to do it, when he was overseas in both in all places, he averaged over 20, 20, 20, and then 30 in China for a month. I mean, but you got to have the ball and you have to be yeah. someone running an offense and letting you play. I mean, it's just, it, ha it has to have it, but it can't have it. Like last year, the coach said, he said, I love your son, but I said, I have to play these two-way guys. You know, they got to play him a certain, you know, at least 35 minutes or whatever it is a game. Mm -hmm. And so he said, well, I, I just put your son out there because I wanted him on the floor because I knew he was going to make good decisions. And all he played him. Sometimes he had him on the floor playing four, depending upon the size of the other team. How's his three-point shot? He's, he's over 40% shooter. I, I don't understand why he's not playing the league then. 40%, I mean, I, man. I mean, you, you got so many teams out there that have guys shooting in the 20s and, and barely. Yes. I mean, it's crazy. That is crazy. And you know how hard it is, Cyrus, you know how hard it is to shoot 40% when you're getting one or two shots a game, three shots maybe? It's not easy. No, I, I'm with you. you know, <laughs> I'm totally with you, yeah. Not, not easy. Anyway, uh, let's get on to something else that we want yeah, we yeah. to talk There's about. Yeah, yeah, a few more topics before we wrap things yeah. up. Uh, I wanted to mention, you know, last week we talked about just the utter shit show that is the New York Knicks, and, and it just doesn't stop. This organization to me – is comedy at this point. I've n I don't understand why anyone would ever want to play for them unless you just want to take that check. Uh, so recently, and uh, there's sound associated with this, the Knicks decided to hire an individual named Steve Stout uh, as the branding manager of the team, right? He, I, this is a former music executive. I've never heard of this guy until he went on first take, your favorite show on ESPN. I'm being facetious saying that. Uh, so... Here's a soundbite of Steve Stout talking about rebranding the Knicks, and then I'll tell you why this clip is relevant. We got to get athletes to believe that they can come here and actually be them best, be them best selves. I mean, that hasn't, that hasn't transpired over recent times, and I understand some of the reasons why. We got to solve that issue. Um, I just think there's a, a culture of, of winning and excitement that New York City has uh, New York City is the, the hub of sports and entertainment. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. And it started moving around. My job is to bring it back. Toronto Raptors, they brought in Drake, right? They brought in Drake to bring that thing. The New York Knicks brought in me. I do love that he compares himself to Drake. So the reason, yeah. why this is a new, the reason why this is a new story is because the Knicks had to come out and issue a press release stating that Steve Stout does not is not involved in personnel decisions. And he came out and had to issue an apology himself. A brand yeah, well, manager. I mean, so here, here, here's the thing. And, and, and you know, that's actually important because what that comes down to is basically your marketing. But here's Correct. the deal. First of all, it's hard to market chicken you know what. <laughs> exactly. You know, so you got to get good chicken. 
So they don't, first of all, in order for him to do his job, they got to make some wise decisions and get some players who really can play. Correct. <laughs> I mean, so it, it's hard to go and rebrand something when the quality of your brand sucks. <laughs> you have to get better talent. That's where it yeah. starts. Then this guy can go out and really do his job, but you got to yes. give him something to work with. Yes. The NBA yeah. is a great example. The NBA was always a terrific product, but it was never marketed properly until David Stern came along and brought Wick Welts and a bunch of other people in to go and turn it into a global enterprise. Mm. It's incredibly successful, multi-billion dollar business. The Knicks need to find someone who can recognize talent. That's going that the players that will come in there and play the game the right way and then have a coach who's going to utilize that talent in the best way possible. That's where it starts. It's and crazy. so until they find that, they're in big trouble. Yeah, it's been, it's, okay? crazy. it's been 20 years that they've been abysmal. It's crazy. For the, the, the history of that franchise, the fan base still loving that team, 20 years of just I am telling you, I had a big talk today with somebody writing a book about it, and I just said the biggest problem is, is that most of these teams – I really question who they are, who they have as their scouts. The choices that some of these teams make with their first yeah. round draft picks are just abominable. Agreed. I mean, I don't know what they get hung up on. It's a very simple process, Iris. You look. Is this your truth bomb? We haven't dropped the truth bomb. Do you want to drop some Jack yeah, here? Sure. Why not? <laughs> you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Oh, Jack. Okay. So the truth is, is that get some scouts who know talent. Don't get scouts who get hung up on somebody's athleticism. Just because you're a great athlete doesn't mean you're a great player. And so it should it take five minutes, okay? I watch a player for five minutes and tell you whether or not I want to see any more of them. They don't have, I mean, and they get paid a lot of money to do this. I don't need to sit there and watch an entire game. In five minutes, I want to know if I want to watch any more of this player. And then what I want to find out about him is I want to find out what does he have inside? What kind of heart does he have? What kind mm -hmm. of person, what kind of person is he? He may have some shortcomings in some of the skills, but I can teach him some skills and get him better at the skills or get coaches on our staff to be able to help him in that area. But does he have what can't be taught? The and natural also, feel for the game. And, and Rick, a lot of the problem with these scouts that you, you to add to this is that some of them are on the other end of the spectrum where they rely too much on really arbitrary stats. Like I, I see a lot of these stats like PER, right? Subjective. Uh, offensive, defensive efficiency. Plus minus. All these weird Well, the stats plus minus people, is BS. That's the biggest BS yes. statement. I mean – you happen to be on the court and your team goes down a bunch of points when you're yes. there, but you're playing with guys who don't know how to play worth a shit. Excuse my language. No, no, I'm sorry. Okay, you, no, you know, that's good, but you have scouts who rely on those. And, and that's another issue, right? You're right. You have, there, there are not enough scouts who have a genuine feel for this game who can properly assess and judge players. There are, you're right. I think that's a, a, a fundamental issue with a lot of these teams, especially the Knicks. By the way, Rick, can I put you on the 24-second shot clock? This might be kind of a mean one, and you could tell me if it's, if it's below the belt, but I, I have an idea for you for the 24-second shot clock. Can I drop this on you? I'm always ready for anything. I love it. All right. Here's your 24-second question. 
Name any five players on the Knicks. I'll just let the clock run out. <laughs> I, I can't and, name because I wouldn't. Even, I don't even follow them. Why do I want to follow I know, the Knicks? I, know. That's, I, I mean, again, seriously. That's... <laughs> I mean, they're, they're brutal. I mean, they just don't play the game the right way. They made poor choices in their personnel. Oh. And, you know, I mean, and they've changed. How many coaches have they changed in the last five years? Oh, I mean, I can name R.J. Barrett. He was their first-round pick last year. Yeah, right, right. R.J. Barrett, yeah, that's the one. Taj yeah, Gibson, okay. I think, is on the team, I think. But I don't Julius even follow Randall. him. I don't even care. I know, but that's, that, I can name three. I know. It's, it's just, I guess the, my point is there are a few teams like that where, like, the Pistons come to mind. Uh, who, if, you, if I threw that question out, could you name anyone? <laughs> you know? I mean, some of these teams are so bad. Well, it's yeah, because, I, I mean, the honest line is I don't, I mean, really, don't even want to follow them <laughs> I mean, why why would you want to follow a team that's terrible i mean that guy's in even you know oh yeah here's another one so i'm sure everybody is well aware of kadeem allen right no i'm not who's that <laughs> he's one of the players on the freaking knicks oh okay i didn't <laughs> that's no, what i'm saying <laughs> i mean seriously i mean so you pull them up and you do it and i see here so oh all right here we go this is that type of example that we have some fun Okay. Well, he's not actually doing too bad. Reggie Bullock has got some halfway decent numbers. That's oh, actually... on the Pistons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, no, no, you know, the... ha- no. This is he's the on Knicks. the Knicks. Yeah. Oh, Reggie, I didn't, I didn't know what he was on the Knicks. That's okay. what I'm talking about. I mean, so here's another guy. All right, so he's shooting. Well, actually, that's not a bad percentage from his three point range at all. But he's a 68 percent, 69 percent free throw shooter. He's only shooting like 42 percent from the field, and yet he's on there making millions of dollars. I, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean. I know. I, mean, I just look, look at this stuff and I just, oh, here's another guy on the Knicks making millions who gets 38.5 field goals, barely 30% from threes. That's not acceptable. Who's that? Who? No, I'm not going to mention any names. I don't want to get okay. these guys all upset with me. Um, right, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you start looking at, at, at these stats and you just wonder, you know, why are these guys on this team? I, I don't know. You know, another one, know. you know, 32% from threes. Wow. Big deal. 43 from twos. I mean, that's not, that's not good. You know, no, 32.6 is okay. It's, you know, it's, it, it's passable, but it's not something you're going to write home about. And then the thing is, is to forget even the stats. Does he know how to play? Does he understand weak side defense? Does he understand how the game should be played? Does he understand how you can create things for people? I mean, there's so many other elements to it that they just seem to overlook. But I mean, I can go down team from team for team and, and pick guys out that, that are on these rosters who are playing, you know, especially in the scoring position, you know, playing like the guard position, whoever it may be. And their, num- their numbers are just pathetic. Here, 33% <laughs> shooting from the field for two-point range. And he's on the team and he's making freaking millions of dollars. I, I mean, it's just I, – I, I just have such a difficult time having to deal with it. It's, uh, I'm with you. It's I'm sad. You. I mean, it's really sad. Anyway, uh, I would – sometimes I wish I had access to all film and stuff and put a show together and do something and show people one time all of the violations that occur in an NBA game that aren't called. Oh, that happens. It's rampant. Yeah, it's, it's – Well, even in college, it's horrible. I mean, it, uh, North Carolina, and they should be ashamed of themselves for losing that game to Duke because they just went, what, <laughs> five for 12 from the free throw line and then one for five or some from the field. But they still got screwed. The officials didn't want to do anything. It was a double dribble on the play when the guy went to the basket and scored the tying basket to go to overtime. Then 
when they cut, cut a, a three-point deficit to one point at the end of the reg, uh, end of overtime, the guy carried – it was such a blatant carry of the ball to get to the basket and score the basket. And then on the <laughs> inbounds pass, it was so evident on the replay, I can't even imagine what these officials looked like. You could even see it. The other guy was a light-skinned black guy, and the other guy was a dark-skinned black guy from Duke. And his hand came in, and it was obvious he knocked the ball out of bounds, and it should have been Carolina ball. So, I mean, this, when I watch these kind of things on there, I just, I just, I get disgusted. I really I do. do. I'm, I'm with you. Bad basketball is not easy to watch I mean, and, and bad officiating. Well, it's not you bad. Do... That was bad officiating. What's yeah, the, yeah. the bad? It's bad officiating too. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that's hardest to deal with. You know, they have oh. this segment, they have this segment every Thursday night on a uh, NBA on inside the NBA on TNT, where they do this thing called shacked in a fool. I don't know if you ever yeah, saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, this, they're just, you know, blooper reels basically. But this, the, what the part that, just kind of really shocks me every time I watch those segments is that on average, I'd say like two out of five or three out of five of those clips, the referees never make the call. They show these egregious traveling calls where someone takes six, seven, eight steps and the refs don't blow the whistle. It's just mind blowing to me. And I think the Damian Lillard goaltend the other night was the most egregious in recent history that I can remember. That was such a blatant goaltend. I mean, that ball went off the backboard. It was still on the, the rim, board. yeah. It was still, I mean, yeah, but also some, yeah. Anyway, they, it happens all the time. I mean, yeah. some of the stuff that takes place. And to be honest with you, I, if I was the NBA, I wouldn't be too happy that they were showing this kind of stuff because it just shows you the 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 <laughs> the, in, the inadequacy of the yes. uh, some of these officials. And it's happening for things, I mean, right in front of them. And they don't make the calls. I mean, Crazy. I, I have a real problem with that. I had that long talk today with somebody that if you have the ability to nullify a human error in a sporting event, it should be utilized. That mm -hmm. technology should always be utilized. The last thing in the world as an athlete that I want to have happen is that we lose a game because of the mistake an official made when it could be overturned. Yeah. Folks. You got to have your junk clean. Hair down there is just not acceptable anymore. Hasn't been for a long time. And the folks at Manscaped are taking care of you with the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. No more nicks and cuts Ooh, on your balls. Ouch. And their battery is premium now. It lasts up to 90 minutes. They have an LED light, which illuminates grooming areas. They have a charging stand. Powered by USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this product, Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLEAV, that's Believe, short for the Believe Podcast Network, at manscaped.com. Again, go to manscaped.com. And if you use the free shipping code BLEAV, that's short for Believe, or at least the name Believe, but spelled in our way, you get 20% off. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Believe, B L E A V. You know, Rick, before we, uh, before we go, I, I have a question for you because this is my, I, I do not understand this. And I'm wondering if you as a former player would have more insight. Why do the Philadelphia 76ers, why are they so dominant at home with the best home record in the NBA? 25 and two, and two yeah. but they're nine and 19 on the road. Why the discrepancy? Well, because guys just don't know how to deal with going out on the road. A lot of young players on teams, you don't understand and realize what it takes to be able to 
play at a high level when you go out on the road. You got the other teams, you know, cheering and their fans are great rooting and stuff. These guys don't know how to maybe get themselves to get the right kind of rest. God only knows what other things they may be doing out on the road. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but seriously, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, look at it. Look at it. The, look at the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are 22 and 3 and 13 and 15. Yeah. Right. The Celtics, yeah. I mean, are 22 and 5 at home, 15 and 11 on the road. At least I mean, they I know got it's, a winning I, record. I know it's a trend, but the 76ers are really the extreme end of that. I mean, nine and nine, 10 games under 500 on the road is just really bad. And, and yeah, again, but look, was, look at the Washington Wizards. They're 50 50 at home and they're six and 20 on the road. Yeah, yeah. But the Wizards, I mean, no, no one's expecting the Wizards to do anything. I mean, the 76ers have some hype surrounding them. You know, it's, it's I guess that's. It's very Go down so I can see the Western Conference. So I can yeah, here's the Western shot. Conference standings. Right, so let's late. look and see. So look at this. The Lakers are only 18 and 7 at home, and they're 22 and 5 on the road. That's amazing. That's a Warriors type number from their yeah, dynasty. Yeah, because that's why. Because you got a lot of guys and you had some veteran players that are on the team, and they know what to do on the road. And and you, you realize that you know you want to get booed on the road because if you're not any good, they wouldn't boo you. And so yep. it's like cheers. They wouldn't and care. So and you get a chance to ruin the night for you know fifteen to twenty thousand people. It's great. It's a great incentive. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, seriously. I mean, just take a look at that. I mean, it, it's it's the case for most of the time. And the good teams find a way to win on the road, and that's the difference. You look at the first uh, all all well, everybody but the Memphis Grizzlies. The seven of the eight playoff teams that would have had the playoffs right now all have winning records on the road in the Western Conference. Seven of eight, yeah. Yeah, and that the Dallas correct. Mavericks are 18 and eight on the road and amazing. only 14 and 14 at home. That's amazing. That's impressive. So that's why I'm telling you, always expect the unexpected in the NBA. You just can't figure it out. I mean, you really, <laughs> truly can't. You go crazy uh, trying to figure it out. So if you just live by that model, you'll be absolutely okay. So look, everybody... Enjoy yourself. Uh, enjoy what's happening in the NBA. I'm sure there'll be some amazing stories, but I am not going to be with you uh, for next week because I'm going to fulfill one of my bucket lists uh, oh. items. I am heading to the Amazon in Brazil to go peacock bass fishing. This is official. And this wow. is official. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm leaving. Uh, actually, you know what? I, you know what? No, no. Next week, I think we might be able to actually do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we could do a show right before I go. So yeah, it would right. be after that. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to do. If we're going to do the show, we got to do the show next week uh, before I leave on my trip. So yeah, we'll get another show in before I head off to the Amazon. So that you. I cannot believe you're doing that, and I'm looking forward to when you get back sharing some sports. Well, I can't. I, I'm really looking forward to this. Oh yeah. Uh, peacock. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about my peacock best next week but anyway oh, have a great week bass. weekend everybody yeah this is this is like ooh, it's gonna be awesome oh, and before rick before we go uh cameo.com people can yeah. actually get a personalized yeah. message from you just go i to just cameo. did one from somebody from china just uh, sent in to do something that i did one for somebody came from china to do a cameo and so I, I didn't speak in chinese so i don't know mandarin <laughs> and, uh, or cantonese yes yeah, so well, uh, cantonese but mandarin is the predominant one right, uh, right. i think it's 70 so. something percent of the people speak mandarin in china beautiful so and, yeah, and, and, and god so, bless over there hopefully they find for the neurovirus hopefully they find some get that thing out of the way that's so sad they're saying 18 months before they get a vaccination so let's hope this doesn't spread too rampant well i just again, well i just yeah. i just read something that somebody said they had something else that they were using and were getting some good results with it so hopefully that's hope so. true i hope so yeah but so again people can can uh, subscribe you can go to cameo.com and get a personalized message from rick a great gift idea and you can follow rick berry on all social media platforms at rick 24 berry you can follow me on twitter at dog surf roadshow and follow the program the podcast at warriors 24 pod rick always a pleasure sir always a pleasure appreciated your uh, 
your forthrightness, forthright, you were very forthright, <laughs> using some Thanks. very intelligent big words. Uh, so showing your education, because I don't know if people know and everything that you actually uh, have done a lot of teaching, right? Are you an actual I professor? Pro I am an actual professor, yes. There you so, go. So there you, you go. So I am working with a very astute individual. Thank and you. so uh, you have a wonderful uh, weekend coming up. And everybody will look forward to having you join us on Warriors 24 with Cyrus Atchis and Rick Barry. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.